Thank you, Jenny. Wasn't that a beautiful song? That's our story. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He loved us. He loved us just the way we were. And that is a blessing. And He saved us and He made us new creatures in Christ. And we're so thankful for all that the Lord has done for us. Shall we just open in a, in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much and sending your Son to die for us. We didn't deserve it, Lord. And truly, there was no one who wanted us. We were outcasts, aliens, enemies of God, and yet you sent your Son in such love and tenderness and mercy to reach out to us and bring us near. And we thank you, Lord, that just like the story of the shepherd that went out to find the one lost sheep and left the 99 in the fold. We thank you that that's what you did with each of us in rescuing us. We pray now that you'll calm our hearts, speak to our hearts today by the Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that you will anoint this word and touch lives and, Lord, hide me behind the cross. And we pray that you would be glorified today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it take to, for the Lord to get your attention, to get my attention? Sometimes in life we can get so busy and so distracted by so many different things that really aren't very important at all. Really, in the light of eternity, they're trivial things, and yet they get our attention because they're deadlines to meet and commitments and all these things to happen. And the Lord sometimes has to get us aside and He wants to draw us closer to Him. So He has to bring some trials and difficulties and problems into our lives to get our attention. And He speaks to us in a still small voice and tells us what He wants us to do. And so many times we don't always listen because we're distracted, as we said, by the things all around us. But the title of our message today is Nearness to God at All Times. Not just at some times, when things are all going wrong, we draw near to the Lord, but we should draw near to Him all the time. And that's what He wants us to do. We're going to look today, first of all, at James chapter 4 and verse 8 as our main text this morning. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Familiar to many, if not all of us, Found in the book of James, James was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a believer. He served the Lord and honored God. And he wrote this very practical, very encouraging, and very challenging book of James. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And that's a promise. When we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. He goes on to say, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you double-minded. Now, of course, he's writing to the unsaved people, right? No, he's writing to believers like you and I. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If it were not so, he would not have said that to the believers. And we need to hear that, too, in our lives, because God wants us to have the purest of motives. He doesn't want us to be double-minded. He doesn't want us to be worldly in our thinking or serving this world. He wants us to be all for Him. And He wants to draw us closer to Him. And the choice is ours to answer the call to draw near to God. 
And we can be as near to God as we want to be. We are his children. He loves us and he wants us to draw near. And he doesn't want us to be distracted by the things of this world. And there are many distractions from the Internet to TV and all the things that are happening in the news. It's amazing we get bombarded with it. But I love the hymn writer that said this. He says, just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most. The Lord is always with us. And he will always come to our aid and to our rescue. And all he wants us to do is make the move to draw near to him. And then he promises to draw near to us. You know, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they had such false thinking about so many things. And one of the things they thought was if they kept the law and they kept the traditions of man and they did all the external things right, then they'd be good uh, believers, right? They'd be good Jews. But what they did was they drew near to God with their lips, but not with their hearts. And that's why Jesus said to them in Matthew 15 and verse 8, This people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, God can see inside our hearts. We can only see the outward person, but God looks at the heart. We know David was a man after God's own heart, and God saw into his heart that he was an honest and sincere believer. But the Pharisees had become so callous that when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared on the scene, right before their eyes as the Messiah, they rejected him. He can't be the one. He can't be the one. And they were deceived by it. But may the Lord help us today to draw near to God with every fabric of our being, with our whole hearts, not just our lips, but with our lives. And that's the key to it. Today, we're going to look at three things. Number one, nearness to God and salvation. Number two, nearness to God in times of need. And number three, nearness to God in times of blessing. So when you think about it, the goal that the Lord has, and that's the number one goal. It's like a coach that puts the goals on the board for the team, for the basketball team. They're in there before the game. They're getting all excited and he's writing all of the things that they need to do on there. The number one goal that the Lord has for each and every person, man, woman, child, from whatever country you're from, whatever language you speak, the number one goal is to be saved. To be saved and to come near to God. That's the number one goal. And in order for a person to get saved, they have to see the need for salvation. That's the key thing. If you don't see yourself as sick, you're not going to go to the doctor, right? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just fine. But when you see yourself as sick, you pick up the phone, you call Kaiser or your medical plan, your doctor, and you make an appointment and you go in. And in the spiritual sense, it's the same way. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 5, 31 and 32, these words, he says, those who are well do not have need of a physician, but those who are sick. He says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
How many righteous people? Here's a question for all the Bible scholars in the audience today. How many righteous people are there in the world today? Now, you don't need a calculator to add them up. You don't need any pieces of paper or you don't need to think. Let's see, how many righteous people? It tells you in the book of Romans. Here's a clue. It tells you in the book of Romans how many righteous people are in the world. So if you want to just raise up your hand and, and, and tell me how many righteous people are there in the world. Cindy. Zero. Zero. That's why Jesus came to die. Because there is none righteous. No, not one, it says. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. There are, they have turned aside and have become altogether unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And then if you're not convinced by that, Paul says in Romans 3.23, that word all, for all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. So on the one hand, how many righteous people in the world? Zero. How many sinners in the world? Oh, now you need a calculator. Now you need a computer. Now you need the big mega computer to add up all the people in the world and all the people that have ever lived in the world and ever will live in the world. And that's who Jesus died for. Everyone. Because there's none righteous. All are sinners. And that's why God's love reached down to you and I to save us, to pay our sin debt that we could not pay ourselves. And God never gives up on us. He goes after us until we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And you know, the door of your heart has a doorknob on it, but the doorknob is on the inside, not on the outside. Can you imagine if you came to a door and you were to knock on the door and there's no doorknob to open? So you have to wait for the person to open the door. They can't just say, come on in, because the doorknob is on the inside. It's on the inside of our hearts. And so we have to open the door of our hearts to him. Like it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him or have fellowship with him and he with I. Salvation is a free gift and it's offered to everyone. But you have to see your need. You have to see that you're spiritually sick. The Lord Jesus will never force his way into the lives of anyone. But he wants to bring us near. And what does God do to bring us near? He sent his son to shed his precious blood to bring us near to God. It says in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near By the blood of Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you are one with Christ. You're as near as you can be to God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this quote by Gatesby Pageant, who said this, Near, so very near to God, nearer I cannot be. For in the person of his son, I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, more dear I cannot be. The love wherewith he loved the son, such is his love to me. And I thought about that for a moment. Right now, if you're saved, you're as near to God as you'll ever be, number one. And number two, you're as near to God as his son, 
Isn't that amazing? We were enemies of God. We were unsaved, lost people, sinners. And now he's brought us into his family and he's made us just as near as his own son to us. He's made us children of God and sons of God, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And we're thankful for that. And if you're here this morning and you have never been saved before, you're far from God. But he wants you to be near to God. There's a hymn that says, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. And that's where he wants us to be. But before we can become near to God, we have to get down on our knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have blown it. I have lived my life for myself. I have sinned against you and against others. I come to you. I put all my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Save me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And he'll do it. You have his promise on it. He'll never turn you away, say, go work on it a little bit longer. No, come just as you are, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood has paid for me. Secondly, there's nearness to God in time of need. And that's what really got me thinking about this message because so many times we draw near to the Lord in a time of crisis, don't we? When things seem to be falling apart, one bad thing after another after another happens. We we apparently have no control over these things. They're happening to us. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to solve it. We're helpless. And we come to the Lord and we draw near to Him. And He's right there for us. And He takes care of it. And that's what he wants us to do. So it's it's born out of a crisis. It's born out of a need. And our nearness is brought about by our neediness. And that's a, that's a humbling thing for us to think about how needy we are before the Lord. But we are. We're very needy people. Sometimes on Monday nights when we have the prayer meeting, Bill usually always says to us, it's a good place to end up on Monday night. And the reason is, is because we're a very needy people. Now, if you have, I don't have a copy of it up here, I don't think, but there's a prayer list. There's a prayer list for the church. Now, you want to see how needy we are? Read the prayer list. Every one of us have requests. Every one of us have needs. And some of them are serious, big things that we're praying about. But we have a big God who can answer those prayers. And thank be to God that we draw near to him and he draws near to us. And he says, I want to answer your prayer, but I'm going to do it in such a way that's going to be according to my timing, according to my will. And it's going to come at just the right time that is going to be a great testimony for the glory of God. So he brings trials into our lives. He shows us how helpless we are, how needy we are, how empty we are without him. Psalm 34, 18 is a beautiful verse because it talks about this very thing. And it says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It reminds me of David when he was confessing his sins to the Lord in Psalm 51. He also talked about a broken and contrite heart that God will never reject that. If we come to God and ask for forgiveness for anything, he will forgive us. You say, if I commit murder, forgiven. Adultery, you know, the world puts labels on things that are worse sins than others, that there's no sin that God cannot forgive. 
Of course, the only one is the unpardonable sin that no one could ever commit because those were people in those days that attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to the work of demons. And that is not something that can happen today. So every sin that any of us commit can be forgiven. And when we get saved, it's under the blood. And when we sin as Christians and ask him to forgive us, he cleanses us from all sin and makes that relationship restored and revived again. And that's exactly what happened with David. And if you read over in Psalm 73 about the story of Asaph and all the things he went through and how he saw the world prospering and all the godly suffering and him suffering and going through all these hard times. But then it says, then he went into the sanctuary of the Lord and he understood their end. And by the end of that psalm, in verse 28, he realizes how much he needs the Lord. And it says in Psalm 73 and verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. It's good for me. It's good for you to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. You know, if we choose to have trials, we always want the light ones, right? We always want the easy ones. We want the ones that don't last very long, that won't put us into too much suffering. But the Lord knows what we need to handle and he knows that he needs to get our attention so that we can see how much we need him. And that could have never happened to anybody more severely than King Jehoshaphat when all the armies of Syria, Moab, the people of Mount Seir and all these Moabites, they gathered together as this huge army and came against Judah, who in Jehoshaphat was the king at that time. And they surrounded the city with this huge force of, of soldiers. And it says in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12, how Jehoshaphat handled the situation. He didn't go to his advisors and say, we need more arms. We need more training of men. We need to call up reinforcements from other cities. Maybe call Israel, the uh, northern kingdom, to come and help us or Egypt or anything like that. They didn't do that. But notice what he said. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And I really like that. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And it, it rhymes too. We don't know what to do, for our eyes are on you. And that's true because we get into a situation where all we can see is the negative. All we can see is this huge, uncrossable river, impossible situation. And the Lord says, don't look at that. Don't look at the number of soldiers against you. Don't look at the trial. Don't look at the difficulty. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's the key to this whole thing and drawing near to him is to keep your eyes on Jesus. I love the hymn that says, and we sing it quite often too, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the only way to have victory. It's the only way to draw near to him is to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he fights for us. 
And I love what the Lord did for, for Jehoshaphat too, because he said, stand still. You're going to see what I'm going to do for you. And he caused all these great armies to turn against each other and start fighting each other and wiped out each other and delivered Judah and delivered Jehoshaphat and delivered the people of God because they called on the Lord. And that's what he does for us, too, when we draw near to him. He gives us that comfort. He gives us that strength to carry on. Our dear brother Bill McDonald's is in heaven, but he had a lot of effect on many of our lives. And his commentary is still used by so many Christians in the world, and it's a great blessing. And on this verse about James chapter 4 and verse 8, he says this, To draw near to God, we must do this by prayer. We must come before him in a desperate believing prayer, telling him all that is on our heart. As we approach him, we find we draw near to him. He will draw near to us. We thought he would be far from us because of our carnality and worldliness. But when we draw near to him, he forgives us and restores us. Now, how much, how many of us would admit as we were growing up that we did things that we didn't want our parents to find out about, right? We don't want them to find out about it because we will feel ashamed. We will get in trouble. We will get grounded. Nowadays, you'll lose your cell phone. You'll lose your tablet. You'll lose all your computer access and all these things that parents use today to punish their kids. But you know, God is not a punishing God. He's a loving God. And if we draw near to him and ask him for forgiveness, he never makes us feel horrible. Now, he doesn't justify our sin or sweep it under the carpet. He deals with it, but he loves us and he forgives us. And that's what he does. Adam and Eve made the mistake when they sinned against God of doing what? They went and hid themselves among the trees of the garden because they knew they had sinned and they knew they were naked and they knew had they had rejected the God's command and they felt bad about it. But instead of coming to the Lord for forgiveness, they tried to hide themselves. And ever since then, human beings like you and I have got very good about concealing our sin, hiding it, trying to th- make it so nobody finds out about it. Little do we know that the omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent God of the universe already knows about it even before we did it. And when we try to hide it, it does more harm than good. That's why I like the parents nowadays that teach their kids, okay, I know you're not going to be perfect, but do me this favor. Don't lie. If you did it, say you did it, and I'll forgive you. But don't lie. And they're teaching them a valuable principle that we as adults should learn too. Be honest with God and be honest with each other. First John 4.18 says there is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You know, the throne of grace is open 24-7. Throne of grace open 24-7. But here is my question. Well, first of all, I'll read the verse in in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So my question is this. If the throne of grace is open 24 seven and the sign at the throne of grace says grace is free 
And it says mercy is free. And we can come in our time of need. Why do we not avail ourselves of that from the very beginning? Throne of grace, 24-7. Ready, open, never closes. No, t- no holiday is taken off. You know, at Costco, when you go in, you walk in, they show their hours, and then they show the holidays that they're closed. Well, the throne of grace is open 24-7. It never closes and never has any days off, never holidays or anything. And yet we, as Christians think we know better and that we can solve the issue and the problem. So we try ourselves really hard. And and, and the Lord is up in heaven probably saying, mm, Dean's not going to make it. He's not going to figure it out. But I have to let him try because he's he's doing this on his own. But when we come to the Lord and we come to him first, we save ourselves a lot of heartache. And a lot of pain by going to the Lord first. But what we do is we go last resort, throne of grace, right? First resort, I'll try to figure it out myself. Doesn't work. Second, re- second uh, resource, I'm going to go to the world and see if I can find an answer. I'll look it up online. I'll, I'll do a Google search. I'll, I'll try to figure it out myself. If I can't do it, then I'll try to get somebody else to help me. No, we need the Lord and him alone. Now, it's not to say we don't need godly counsel because that counsel comes from the Lord and we should go for that. But we shouldn't think that we can figure it out ourselves and try to do it that way. Yes, grace is free. Mercy is free. Help is free. And it's just a prayer away. And all we need to do is draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to us. And then third and final point this morning is nearness to God in our times of blessing. And to me, this is the hardest one of all because it's easy to see our need of the Lord when time, when things are going bad, right? But how about when things are going well? How about when we get the promotion, when we get the, the house and we get the job and we get all these things, these blessings, right? To me, that's when we really have to draw near to God and thank him for it. Because if we don't, we start thinking we did it. I got the job. I got the promotion. I got this. I got this. I did it. I made it. And the Lord has to get our attention because he wants us to draw near to him, not only in times of adversity, but also in times of prosperity as well. And so God help us to avoid the sin of pride, because it says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction or it goes before a fall and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And it's so true. We have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I am a needy person. I can't do it. I need you. I need you right now, Lord. And he will win the victory for us. And yet we sometimes think the situation is too great. It's too hopeless. It's too enormous. It's too impossible. But is it too impossible for the Lord? No. He can do anything. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 22 and 23, where it says to draw near to the Lord. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith or a full confidence of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You know, God says he wants us to have a faith that does not 
waver. It is solid in the Lord. Now, we're going to be buffeted. We're going to be tested. We're going to be tried. But we have our confidence in the Lord and it should not shake us. Charles Stanley wrote in this subject, he said, if as we open ourselves up to the Lord, he opens up to us. If we come to him in submission, repentance and brokenness, he rushes in with forgiveness, love and faithfulness. There is no room for self-sufficiency, self-protection in this interaction. Only in the humility of helplessness will we discover the sufficiency of his presence. Doesn't it remind you the story of the prodigal son? That father loved his son so much and the news that he wanted to leave and take his inheritance early and go off to the far country broke that father's heart. And I believe that that story would, would, would tell us if we knew all the details of the, what the father went through, that he prayed for his son every day to return. Every day. But he didn't go after him. He didn't go after him. He knew the son had to draw near back. He had to come back to the father. And that's what happens with us too. The Lord loves us. He wants to draw us to, our, to himself. And he wants us to come just as we are. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we can't handle these things. How many have heard of J.N. Darby? That's a name probably that not too many have heard nowadays, but if you want to read some really deep books, Darby is really good. Although Bill Wright, it's pretty deep. You gotta, <laughs> it's pretty deep, and the way he writes is not really easy to understand. But he wrote some very beautiful things, and this one I think is very easy to understand. J.N. Darby said, God's ways are behind the scenes, and he moves all the scenes he is behind. I really like that. I'll say it again. God's ways are behind the scenes and he moves all the scenes that he is behind. That was true in the book of Esther where God's name is not even mentioned, but he was working behind the scenes and he was behind all the scenes that were going on to give the people of, of the Jews the victory. There's a great story told of a, of a lady that worked in a, in a, in a, uh, Textile mill. She just got hired. Maybe it's her first job. She's working at the textile mill. And so she saw a sign there next to the where she worked and it said this. When your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. So pretty clear, right? When your, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. Well, the young woman was new on the job and she didn't want to think people to think that she was incompetent and that she couldn't handle this. So what happened? Her thread got tangled. So she said, I'm going to try to untangle this, this mess. And if you've ever had a thread tangled or you've ever had a cord that's all mangled up and, and twisted and you have so many hard times, right? So she could not get it straightened out herself. So finally, she calls the foreman and she says this. Mr. Foreman, I did the best I could, she said. No, you didn't. To do the best, you should have called me. And so many times in life, we get our threads twisted, don't we? We get them all tangled up. And the more we try to do it ourselves, it just gets worse and worse. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes at Christmas time when you've got the Christmas lights, right? That's one of the worst. They all get all tangled up. They started off the previous Christmas. They were fine. They were When I put them away, they were great. But then I brought them out and now they're all tangled up and it's so hard to deal with them, right? Not to mention sometimes the lights go out and you have to replace those. But Jesus knows the messes we get into. He knows the problems that we have. And he wants to save us and spare us from that. He wants to draw us closer to himself. So when we draw near to God, he gives us the strength, he gives us the victory, and he gives us the success. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, this became a problem for David one day when David was supposed to be out fighting the Lord's battles with his troops and he was supposed to be out doing the Lord's will. But instead, he stayed home that weekend or that day, and he was idle. Now, we know that he wasn't praying, and we know that he wasn't studying the word of God, because where was he? He was on the roof. He was on the roof of the house, idle, outside the will of God, and that's when he saw Bathsheba. If he had been in God's will, doing what God wanted him to do, drawing near to the Lord it would have prevented disaster. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to prevent it. Someone once said years ago, and it's so true, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's so true. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And that's what all these healthcare agencies are doing now is they're realizing the thing is not to treat sick people. That costs a lot of money. But handle it at the beginning in a preventative way. Go for your checkups, get your shots, get your medications early, and then avoid a total collapse in your health. And so that's why they're saving a lot. And that's where prevention comes in. And that's where spending time with the Lord comes in. Prayer comes in. His word comes in. And it's better always to be proactive than it is to be reactive. And may God help us to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. A man named Benjamin R. DeJong once said, if you are not as close to God as you once were, you need to wonder who moved. I remember years ago, Bill, you were preaching a sermon up here and you were talking about a couple, right? And the couple were sitting in their truck. They drove everywhere together. They were married. They loved each other. They were just close. The the wife and the husband, really close. It was a bench seat. You know, nowadays, a lot of times we have the um, bucket seats, but they had a bench seat and they could sit close together. Well, one day the wife got upset and let's say the husband is named Harry. Harry, Harry, what's wrong with you? Why? What did I do? Well, we used to always drive. We'd drive in this truck and, and, and we were always, always close together and we loved each other like this. And now we seem so f- far apart. Now you're not as close to me as you used to be. And he looked at her and said, who moved? I mean, I'm still in the driver's seat here. I, I'm not moved anywhere. So who got who moved? The wife moved, right? And it's not God that moves. It's we that moved. He's close to us, but he wants us to be close to him. He wants us to draw near to him. He doesn't want us to move. He wants us to stay in that place of closeness and nearness to the Lord. So as James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And we can be as near to him as the very son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we close our message today, let's remember 
that the blood of Christ is the thing that can draw us closest to God. And if you're here today and you have never been washed in the blood, today is the day to have your sins forgiven and everything to be washed away. And he will forgive. Yes, that beautiful scripture that told us that the blood of Christ were near, were brought near by the blood of Christ. And then we also have to realize that we should draw near in time of difficulties, in time of trials, in time of crisis. I think about this movie that they had about the uh, Prime Minister of England, England, Winston Churchill. He went through crisis in World War II. And the whole country was just devastated by the Nazis. And so he was a man that stood through all of that. And it was very tough. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to draw near. He wants to plug into Him and be near to God. And we need to remember nearness and salvation and also nearness in our times of need. And then we also need to draw near to God even when times are going well. That we need to draw near even more. We need to appreciate what He gives us and realize that everything we have comes from Him. And if we do anything good and anything successful, it's because of the Lord. And we should never take credit for it ourselves. So we should draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that you want us to live close to you. You want us to draw near to you. The devil will do everything in his power to keep that from happening. Whether it's causing phones to ring, whether it's causing problems to come up, difficulties, things happening around us at a feverish pace. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you in our times of need as well as in our times of prosperity. Lord, help us to know how much you love us. Help us not to hide things from you, Lord, but to be honest and sincere and know that you love us, you care for us, and you will forgive us when we do wrong, when we confess it to you. We thank you for your word, Lord. Please encourage our hearts. Please be with us as we go to our homes today. And bring us back tomorrow for church on on Monday. We ask this and give thanks to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.